and we're at Galatians uh, chapter 5, um, and that's on page 823 of the Church Bibles, Galatians chapter 5. And we're starting at verse 13, which is that little number 13, it's the right hand side of the page. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The last God's word to us. Uh, Steve will come up a little bit later to uh, explain that to us. Uh, Hi everyone. What's this? Can we, have we got another one of these? Somebody needs to unbust this this week, okay? If you unbust it, unbust it. Well, good morning. Nice to see you. If I haven't met you before, my name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. If I've seen you plenty of times before, I'm lucky. Uh, Jason, I'm loving the tram tracks. Everybody give him a round of applause, please. Because that was how I used to have my hair when I was a little bit younger than you. And I'm feeling young just seeing it. It's good to see you. Uh, listen, if you've not been with us before, you won't have a clue what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, so let me tell you. We've been talking about the thing that all over the world people are looking for, but find very elusive and don't know quite where to go to get it. We've been talking about something called real change. I'm not talking about changing your pockets. I'm not talking merely about changing your circumstances, and that's quite often where people will put their hope. 
We're talking about real change at a deep personal level. And of course, you've come to the right place if you want to talk about real change, because at the heart of the Christian faith is the assumption that there is a God up above who's looking down upon us, who knows us better than we know ourselves, he knows the worst about us, he knows the best about us, and despite all of that, because of who he is, he is favourably disposed to show grace and mercy to people like you and me. And he wants to do real change. We know the world needs it, and we know our lives need it. He's the only one who can do it. So join with me now and pray, would you, that that same God would speak into our lives as we listen and think on his word today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know the world needs real change. We know that we need real change too. And we want to praise and thank you that you are a God, according to your word in the Bible, you are a God who delights to bring an authoritative change in places and in people where it is needed. Lord, we want to be able to see with the eye of faith today. If you have words that we need to hear and build our life upon, would you help us to see and know them? We pray that the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, whom you sent because you love us, we pray that he would be big in our eyes and we would be filled with hope and worship and change. For we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, listen to the Bible somewhere nearby. Uh, somebody shout out the page number, will you, for Galatians chapter 5. We'll be coming to that in just a short while. Who's got the church Bible with page? 823. So make sure you've got that a finger in that because we'll come to that in a second. But before we get there, I just want to tell you a little bit about Jack. Uh, Jack, he had a tough upbringing when he was quite young. Not quite young enough to not remember uh, his dad left and it devastated him. He was left being brought up by a loving mum and she did the very best that she could. Um, but Jack certainly felt that measure of abandonment as he was growing up. It never really left him, to be honest with you. Uh, he never lacked friends because he got the kind of uh, gift of the gab, bubbly personality that meant that in almost any situation he could be life and soul of the party. But of course he enjoyed that and he buzzed off that quite a bit and sooner or later that meant that he, he felt he had to up his game in performance and so by the time he got into his young teenage years he was the first one to try out cigarettes, he was the first one to move on to cannabis and when there was something a little bit stronger that was on offer when it came to party time he would dive in and get stuck in. Of course, girls as well were very big on his horizon. Uh, and of course, being around girls gave him a bit of a buzz. Encounters with girl, girls gave him a bit of buzz. So as, as well as I'm sure you can imagine, it wasn't long before he was finding out other ways to get a buzz off girls, which include a, a series of uh, quickly finished relationships and a, a growing love affair with pornography. Of course, he did have a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And part of the chip on his shoulder came of the fact that he found sitting in class both easy and dull to be honest with you he really picked up the concepts really really fast in class and that's lent him to feel he was cleverer than his teachers and and that was nice for him because it gave him that sense of superiority and a value and of being somebody but when it came to the follow-through when it came to ho homework or revision or exams he never quite hit the mark and so his teachers would come alongside him some of them eh, very badly but some of them really gently and lovingly and say come on Jack we can sort this out lad you could go a long long way and whenever they came alongside him, he just viewed that, well, who are you? I get this quicker than you do. What's the problem? So he went back to smoking his weed and not doing his homework. And he was devastated when he didn't get into the university that he'd planned. 
He, he flunked his A-levels. Oh, he ended up in university, but it wasn't the one. And he carried a chip around for quite a while with that. While he was at university, uh, the guy that living next door to him happened to be a Christian. Now, Jack had never thought much about who God was, didn't really care. But he thought, oh, I'll go along and find out. So he went along to some of the Christian Union gatherings where they opened the Bible. And Jack got confronted with this person. This person who he'd heard about but never really knew. His name was Jesus. And he watched as Jesus did the thing that Jesus does. He transformed the situation. And that astounded Jack. He saw that Jesus was gracious and kind to all the people who didn't deserve it. He, he realized that Jesus was, was holy and lived in a way that nobody else lived, but he didn't look down and act superior to all the people who didn't measure up. In fact, he offered them forgiveness and a new start. He saw that Jesus came speaking words that had such a power and authority that the most unlikely people were being transformed by them on the spot. He had, he had another worldliness about him. And when Jesus said, I am God with us, Jack was convinced. He simply looked into the Bible and dared to take Jesus at his word. And in a trembling, nervous kind of way, because he knew he was a, a sinner, he knew that he'd made selfish choices, he knew that he had, had little regard for who God was. But with nervousness and amazement, Jack said, Jesus Christ, if you really are God, would you be God in my life? Would you forgive my sins and would you help me to live with you at the center of my life? And in that moment, things changed for Jack. Things changed dramatically. He suddenly got a sense of acceptance that he'd never known before. He suddenly started looking at some of his behaviours and realising that they were driven for a desire to have people respect him and approve of him. He, 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 he saw people who before he wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere near because they were, quite frankly, they, they weren't quite cool enough. He suddenly gravitated to because he could see the person behind the clothes and the labels. And he realised that people were more valuable than they, what they wore, looked like or offered. And so he got connected into a local church and, he, and he, for the first time he, he felt like he'd got people around him who genuinely cared for him. And he began to find himself being drawn to wanting to know more about who Jesus was. He got involved in mercy ministries at that church which, which served people who were finding themselves stuck and in diff difficult situations. And he found he could relate to people like that and he was using that gift and ability and he found he had come home. <sighs> That was until there was a setback in Jack's life and he just suddenly, he just defaulted back to the old Jack. He didn't mean to, he didn't plan it, it just seemed to happen. He, he just went out one night, had a little bit too much to drink that led to a little bit too much to smoke that led to a, an illicit hookup, a little bit like the old Jack would do just to try to find a bit of comfort. And the next day when he woke up he felt absolutely terrible. Um, but when you feel terrible, if you notice that, you, you do this the same. When you feel terrible, you try to find comfort in the thing that made you feel terrible. So he started clicking online. And five minutes turned into five hours. And he felt awful. He didn't feel he could tell anybody, so he, he turned up late at church the next day. Listened, but the songs that he used to sing that would lift his hope of how Jesus loved him, suddenly they'd got a dull feeling to them and they weren't quite as real as before. He left a little bit early because he didn't want to have to. And people like, what's wrong with Jack? 
People tried to move towards him and sort of, come, but he, he he sunk back into his old suspicions about, well, what is it they want from me? They want from, something from me, and I can't. I, and he felt shame, and he didn't quite know what to do, so he withdrew away, and he withdrew away. Some of those friends who were genuinely loving friends, and, and one of the church leaders came towards, uh, moved towards him over the next couple of weeks to say, "How are you doing? How can we help you?" But he just. He just read it as them being judgmental and he started getting angry and at one point he, he threatened somebody physically with a fist fight. He'd taken him back into a self where he just felt isolated all alone and didn't know what to do. You see, Jack in his life had experienced a real change. And what a glorious and wonderful real change. But he realised then that the battle wasn't quite won. There was more change yet to happen. And you see, as I tell you that story now, that is a true story based on two guys who I've walked with and I've sort of mixed their two stories together and their name, either of them isn't called Jack. That could have been some of your stories, couldn't it? Because some of you have made that most wonderful discovery in your life, haven't you? Of Jesus Christ and his power to forgive you wrong, to change, to change your status with the true and living God so you are declared a child of God. And it brought a real change and then, and then you realise that the battle isn't won and some of the old you before you came to know Jesus keeps on trying to chase up, catch up and grab a hold of you and drag you back. Now I realise as well that I'm speaking to some people in the room who are like, Jesus, real change, forgiveness, right with God, knowing that I'm loved and part of his family. And, and that isn't quite your story yet. And so can I tell you, you are particularly welcome because you get to sort of sit in and listen to the experience that somebody has when they come to know Jesus, when they receive him as Lord and Saviour. You see, Christianity isn't fundamentally about us believing a few things here and trying to change a few behaviours here. Oh, those things happen, but it is fundamentally, it is an encounter with the true and living God. Do you believe there is one? Because he is real and he is present and he meets us in the person of Jesus. That's where real change begins. A real change of status between us and the living God. But then on top of that, he is a God who intervenes and meets us right where we're at. So I'm going to ask you some questions now. And this is where you give me feedback. Okay? I'm going to ask you about Jack. What is Jack facing at the moment? In the story where we catch him up in his life, tell me some of the things that have pressed in that he faces day by day. We, over the last few weeks, have been describing that as like heat. It's our situation, it's our circumstance, it's the stuff that comes at us. So I'm going to ask you just in a second, you can be thinking of that while I ask you the next question. What are some of the things that are coming at Jack at the moment? What are some of his behaviours that are his responses that we wouldn't say were necessarily healthy? In fact, they show that deep inside there's still something wrong inside that needs change. What are some of his responses and what are those things that are deep inside him as a person that perhaps... He needs a touch from the living God. He needs to be continually battling to be made new on the inside. So those are the three questions for you. Let's see what answers we come up with, okay? What are some of the things that Jack is facing? What's coming at him? What is in, what's in his story that's been formative and important? What's, what's coming at him? Somebody said, sorry, who was that? Depression. You're right. Well, it's something there. He certainly feels down on himself. 
But he's had some difficult circumstances, hasn't he? What are some of those difficult circumstances? That's it. Real difficulties in growing up. And in some ways, he responded to that as a youngster inside, didn't he? But we'll talk about that in a minute. What else is he facing? Guilt. Okay. Guilt. And has he done stuff wrong? Yes. We're able to say that. Has he mistreated other people? And has he dishonored God? Yes. It's not the end of the story. What was the other one you said? Oh, there's something deep inside. That's, that's, that's not coming at him. We're going to come to that one in a minute. Okay. What's coming at him? Keep hold of that from when I ask what's deep inside. Okay. What's coming at him? Failure. Okay. The way in which he handles his situation. He had a setback in life. That's coming at him. Anybody here had a setback in life? Every day. Yeah. We face them every day. Good. What else is coming at him? Yeah, it's not like women suddenly start, stop looking nice and drugs suddenly stop giving you a, a buzz. There's real temptations. Good. There's probably some more there. But what about how does he respond? How's he responding when tough things come his way? How does he respond? Anger. Who at? Everyone or perhaps, yeah, think about the people who were in his story. How did he respond as people moved towards him? He, he backs away. Good. How else does he respond? He throws himself for comfort into the things that he knows are going to hurt him and dishonor other people. Good. How else does he respond? Yeah, he pushes away and is tempted to retreat into a sense of pride and justify and blame and blame shift. So what's going on deep inside? How, what, what's important on the inner person for Jack? What did you say a minute ago? In some sense, maybe a desire to prove himself. I think in some sense, it is a deep desire for deep attachment. Isn't there? He, he wants meaningful relationships, but he's got a love-hate thing going on with it he wants it in a way that controls him to even act up and behave out in front of his friends his young school friends he was that desperate to make sure he had approval and had connection there he has a deep desire in himself to feel like he's somebody as shown in the fact that he wants to feel superior in front of his teachers he has some good stuff going on there in that he has a heart for people who are broken and then he's deeply influenced isn't he by his performance because when he failed, he was crushed and went into meltdown and destructive behaviours. Do you see that? Now, you lot are listening really attentively, uh, attentively here. And the reason you're listening really attentively is because you know this could be you, couldn't it? We could change the descriptions of the poison. But it could be you and it certainly could be me. Because we all have this in common and this comes straight out of the way, uh, Bible way of looking at ourselves. We are people who have stuff coming at us, and we will respond to that, sometimes with good behaviours, but quite often with destructive things, and it will be because of what's going on inside of us. And I wonder whether you pick that up from the bit of the Bible that we had read earlier today. Because it tells the story of a whole church who had known the change of meeting Jesus, 
They had received what Christians call justification. That's a great word that's very difficult to spell. Justification means your status before God is objectively changed, not on the basis of something you do, but on the basis of something that Jesus did for you. He has put you right with God, not on the basis of your performance, but fully achieved by him. You see, Jesus, the one who lived the perfect life, would die a horrible death in the place of sinners, so that the justice of God for all our wrong is paid for, and we can be freely united to him. So if you're a Christian here today, please be aware of this. You have been set free from having to relate to God through your performance. And some of you should be shouting hallelujah right now, because you're terribly worried and terribly fearful that if you have a bad day, God will drop you like a brick. Can I tell you that he has pledged and promised himself on the blood of Jesus that we will celebrate later, that he will never do that because he relates to you purely through what Jesus has done. So if you think of how badly you're performing and that becomes bad in your your vision, you think God couldn't possibly love me. You need to say you're right. He couldn't. But he can because he loves you through what Jesus has done. When God looks upon the Christian, he doesn't see the Christian's performance, but Jesus's performance. And that's why at the start of this chapter, it says, chapter 5, verse 1, you can see it there. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, I know some of you are cocky and proud and go, I'll do it myself. Just like my little kids, when they were learning and young and couldn't get their shoelaces tied, and you try and show them once, twice, three times, four times, five times, and by the end of it, they're getting exasperated, and they're like, I'll do it myself. And can they do it? No. It wasn't something we have done. It is what Christ has done. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. You are never, ever more free than when you are sitting in and under and consumed by the love of Jesus for you. There is a present Lord Jesus who loves us and he wants you to live free and he knows the place of freedom is right next to him. Maybe that's a surprise to you because you so often have experienced some sort of religion as oppressive and demanding and crushing. If you did, you weren't experiencing Jesus, whatever it was. Because Jesus came to set you free and give you freedom. Freedom from your, your record of sin against the Holy God. But growth and change now. So here's this church in this place called Galatia, and Paul the Apostle says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't try and give yourself over to a strict weighing down yoke of trying to obey and be good, otherwise you think you'll be out with God. No, 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 no. Let's jump forward. Verse 13, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. He says, you're free. You see, this is what it is. It's free university place syndrome. You know what that is, don't you? In sixth form, there was a a lad at our school who was so good at his exams that Oxford offered him a place at their university with only having to get two E's at A-level. 
So by the end of the of year 12, he got a place at university virtually guaranteed to him. How do you think he performed in year 13? He'd got no motivation to apply himself to his task to do really, really well. And so what did he do? He said, I'm so good. I know I'm in. I don't need to worry. I'll kick back, live at large. And he did. And he got two E's, which got him in interesting. But he was supposed to get two A's or three A's or however many multiple A's. This was before they had A stars. So, you know, top of them you know, up there. And people think that, don't they? Some of you have been living the Christian life and you sort of think, oh, actually, I need laws and obligations to be put on me. Otherwise, I will... I'll just go out and live at large and not live for Jesus. And here what we're being told is the apostle says, listen, you lot, you, my brothers, were called to be free. So live free for Jesus, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Don't say, well, it doesn't matter how I live now because now I've got Jesus covering me. I can live at large and do whatever I want and I'm never going to be out because he's promised that I'm in with him. He's my savior. No, no. He says, rather... Serve one another in love. Real change means that we come to meet Jesus. He forgives us of our sin. We're connected to him. And then he goes on a mission to gradually change us away from living out of our own bent out of shape instincts, what the Bible calls our sinful desires, and changes us so we become more and more loving like him. And I love the, I want to jump forward a little bit and I want us to see the language of this change that happens. And then I want us to think about how that would apply to Jack. So quickly look forward down, uh, down there, just flick over the page if you're in a church Bible and you'll see verse 22 there. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God working in you, changing you. Notice that it says the fruit of the Spirit and then names multiple things. In fact, there's nine of them there. Can you see them? There's nine of them there, but it's one fruit. So in other words, change in a person's life who has met Jesus is described as something that grows into something desirable, fruit. Now, I know not everybody in here wants fruit, but back in the day before they had processed sugar and Mackey's milkshakes, the high point of living was fruit. Natural sugar, baby. That's exactly what they were. So there is a fruit of change. That happens. Now, here's the thing about fruit. Can you push a button and fruit appears? No. In fact, you plant a seed, wait for the tree, and then wait for the fruit. to. It takes a long time. There's a growth process. So we're being told that real change happens both in a second and in a process. It happens in a second when you come to meet Jesus and suddenly he starts to work within you. So things that used to seem ugly, dull, boring, um, undesirable, suddenly become beautiful, desirable, and the thing that you set your heart on. And that happens and that grows and that changes. Do you see that? It's fruit. It's almost inevitable because it's from God, the fruit of the Spirit. He works this within you. I remember a, a friend of mine who used to mock and laugh every time he saw the Christians march off to the Christian Union carrying their Bibles. And then he started to come along and he started listening to the message about Jesus. And before he realized it, he found himself walking there one day carrying a Bible. But he didn't start, just start to carry the Bible. He started to open the Bible and those words that seemed so dull and so irrelevant 
talking about Jesus and about loving neighbours. He was like, why would you want to talk about that when I can be living it? And then he said, wow, what's happened to me? And he figured it out. The Lord Jesus had been working a real change. And some of you are scared off by that change, aren't you? You don't need to be. Look at what that change is. Look at it. Okay, I'm going to read these things and look at them slowly. And I want you to ask yourself, as I do, is this the kind of person that I want to be around? Okay? First one there. Love. Now, love, please, in the Bible, isn't primarily a feeling. It's an action. Love is, I give my life away so you can have a better one. I sacrifice my stuff so you can have a better future. Imagine having somebody around you, and some of you have experienced this with really good parents that you've had, who've said, I will set aside my interests so I can focus on doing what is best for you. Not necessarily what you want, because quite often what you want will kill you because you got bent out of shape in the desires. But I will do what you need. I will be there for you. I will love you. I will bend myself for you to be everything you can be. Do you want people around you like that? Because that's what Jesus was. That's why people flocked towards Jesus. Because he literally gave his life away. Willingly. So that others could have one. That's love. What's the next one there? Do you want to be around this kind of person? Love. Next. Joy. Now remember when we talk about joy, we're not talking about happiness. Happiness, you bang your toe and your happiness is lost in a second. You sort of, you're like, this is, life is wonderful. You've been listening to some upbeat musical tune and suddenly you get a text message from somebody that's a bit sly and your happiness has gone in a moment. So joy is different to happiness. Happiness can be taken in a second. Joy endures when the worst of things are coming at you. It's a deep-seated sentedness of soul that knows who you are, knows who God is, knows the end from the beginning that he will win. And in some sense, no matter what comes at you, there's a steadfastness that means I can lay hold of certainties that fill me with joy. Do you want to be around people like that? Or do you want to be people who are just pessimistic and they're just constantly just snarling at everything and just like... You know those negative people who just... Maybe you are one. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe you're high maintenance. Maybe you have moments like that. Do you want to be a joyful person who can go above that? What, what's the next one? Peace. Our world needs more peace, doesn't it? I'm talking about peace as in the end of hostilities, but also that peace that comes within a sense of peace that means that I know, well, I'm not flappable in that moment. Maybe you know people who you've tried to push their buttons and it didn't work because they weren't out for a fight and because they'd got a calm inside of themselves. That happens to people. Jack started to get it, didn't he, when he first became a Christian. And he gathered himself around some people who, who helpfully were pressing into Jesus. And, he, and those things that you, he used to go grabbing after were, were, were less and less. And, and he had more of a balance and a sense of peace within him. About the next one. Patience. Or in the old-fashioned language. Can anybody know the old-fashioned translation of that word? Patience. Long-suffering. Mark's always helpful with his authorised version. Brilliant. Long-suffering. 
Okay, are you long-suffering? Mum and dad, when the kids get out of bed in the morning and they come down wearing all their junk on their face, and I'm not talking about makeup, and they're snarling and are you long-suffering? Okay, Tony, you're nodding. I don't believe you. Okay, I'll ask Mel, is he long-suffering? Thanks for the truth, Mel. She went like this. Are you somebody who, because of that joy and because of that peace and because you've got a disposition of love, you're able to bear an awful lot because you know that God put up with an awful lot from you? You've been reshaped into his character. You're a little like Jesus. I am amazed with the Lord Jesus. We looked at him. You remember those nasty black hat wearing um, baddies in the, in the Gospels, the Pharisees? And they were always coming and trying to wreck everything that Jesus was trying to do. And whenever they, whenever they did, he didn't turn around and go, Kazam, lightning bolt, blow your head off, which is what I would have done. Ha, that, t- that teaches you, you up yourself, little dweeb. He could have done that. But in fact, every time they come, he actually moves towards them and offers them another chance. He's long-suffering and patient. Do you want people like that around you? You do, don't you? Some of you kids need to give thanks that you've got parents who are trying to be that and are growing in that because you uses hard work. And of course, maybe you're a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend and guess what? I'm guessing you can grow in long-suffering and patience. Do you want to be around people who are long-suffering and patient? Of course you do. Is God trying to move us and change us into something that is ugly or something that is beautiful. What about these ones? Let's keep going. Hold on. What do we see here? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness. The sort of a generosity of spirit there. Wow. We could spend more time on that. Let's keep moving. Goodness. In other words, that somebody who's not caught up with all the shady, dark things. You see, goodness is measured by a person, the living God. What is good and what is bad is dictated by what his character is like. So he brings good things into our lives that so often we will darken and we'll twist them and we'll make them about us. But when somebody's growing in goodness, there's an air of freshness about the good things in life and around them. They, they celebrate what is good and you get a sense of what is evil and a sense of what is good just by being around them. That's the kind of person that we... We want to be around, isn't it? Goodness. What's next? Goodness. Oh, hold on. Faithfulness. Do you know what faithfulness is? Stickability. When other people walk out, you're still sitting there because you're being faithful. And the opposite, I suppose, of faithfulness is fractiousness. And that's one of the things that we've trained ourselves into in our culture of late. If something bothers me and my emotions start kicking up, just get out as fast as I can. We would much rather break up than make up, wouldn't we? So often our emotions are very intrusive and something difficult comes into us and suddenly we're in emotional meltdown. I just need closure. I just need resolution. I just need to... Or suddenly the, the slightest thing knocks us and, we're, uh, and we've disappeared and we're not there and we've run a mile or we've, we, we've gone and retreated back into some unhelpful habits. Jack was not faithful. Do you remember what Jack did? He had a setback and he dived back into the old routines. Imagine growing out of that. So you become a faithful person. Have you noticed that those are the people that we like to be around? They're the people who we want as friends because we know we all need mutual support. 
but I don't want help from a fractious person. They're just going to take me to a dark place. I need, I need help from a faithful person. Gentleness. If you want something to pray for me today, pray that I would be more gentle. Because I tell you what, I can be brutal. Can you? Oh, I've got away with my words. I can crush people in a second. I want to be gentle. I can see something good that I want done, and instead of going about it gently, I go about it brutally, and I can justify it in my mind. Can you do that? I desperately want my kids to remember their dad as a dad who was gentle, and so often I worry that they will remember me as a dad who was brutal, who threw his weight around because he could. Imagine being a person who's just gentle, even with people who are aggressive towards you. You know, a gentle, kind word will turn away wrath, won't it? See, to be gentle, you not have to, you have to not walk around with a sense of being, well, a fear that people don't think much of you. You've got to be really secure in yourself. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to march around with swagger. And that would lead you through to being able to be gentle. What's the next one there? We're coming up towards the end. Gentleness and self-control. Don't you feel yourself at the whim so often of your emotions and your desires? I have to have that. Why is it I have to have that extra piece of cake? Why is it that I can't keep my credit control, uh, credit card balance under control? Why is it that... I keep clicking on that place. Why is it that when somebody does something I don't like, I just speak it out and can't calm down? Imagine if I grew out of that. You see, the journey that the Lord Jesus wants to take us is to a beautiful place. Real change happens when we meet him and the status we have before God changes. We become children of God. But then he takes us on this long journey and he wanted to do that with this church. Can you pick up how they needed it? Here, look. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. Those, those, those desires inside, those ruling desires, those things that were broken and bent out of shape. In some sense they're being put to death. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Do you see what was going on? They were conceited, which meant they thought they were God's gift to everybody else. Envying and provoking. That was what was going on in a church. But we're not surprised. The Lord knew what they were like. He knew what was deep inside of them. He knew they needed change in their families, in their work relationships, in their homes, in their church. And he said, I'm up for the challenge. And I will meet you there. So what would happen to Jack? What would happen to Jack? What kind of change might the Lord want to work in somebody like Jack? I suppose when Jack is feeling... That all his relationships depend upon his ability to hold them together because of that abandoning experience he had when he was younger. Perhaps the Lord would just keep whispering in his ear, I love you and I will not leave or forsake you. Even though you would try to walk out on me, I never will. And as that begins to work deep inside of Jack, as he, as he listens to the words of the Spirit from God's word here, and he works that deep with inside him, 
suddenly he begins to fear that a little less and he feels he's got to act up a little less and he starts to move out of himself and, and stop be, uh, and being less concerned about how he's how he is perceived and more worried about how others are encouraged he starts to become more loving what other changes might happen in 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 jack perhaps he begins to grow in peace when he senses and he's honest enough to look inside and he sees, you know what, this, I want to take control of my situation and find comforts in all the wrong places. I really am actually worse than I thought I was, but Jesus has stuck with me. Maybe in those moments where something difficult, there's a setback in life, I become more faithful and start acting more faithfully and I'm more patient in the midst of it. And I don't start withdrawing from people quite as much. I can hang on in there because although that thing has knocked me, it hasn't killed me because I know Jesus is with me. So now, can you see other ways in which Jack would be growing and changing? But what about you? What does the Lord want to do in you and me? Because that's the really important question. See, the danger is, is what can happen is you, you sort of, you, you listen to a message from the Bible like this, a little bit like Cinderella when the invites to the ball came. Do you remember what happened with Cinderella? The invites came for her two ugly sisters and she in her heart went to the ball but never really thought she could get there because it was actually an invite to somebody else. So you're sitting there and on your row are the two ugly sisters and you're hoping that this will get applied to them. That God will be at work in and change them. Okay? Amy and Becky are looking at each other going, which one's the ugly sister here? Okay? But this is a message for you. Because this is God's word to you and to me today. You see, the message of the Bible to you and me is that because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, and because of who he is, all the things that crush you, and all the ways you fail, don't get the final word unless you let them. He says, I've done it all. Are you struggling with impatience? Are you absorbed with yourself? Have you a tendency to be harsh and aggressive and it ruins your relationships and hurts the people around you? Are you tempted to lie to get yourself out of trouble because you're more worried about what people think of you? Do you dive in too deep and misuse good things that God has given you like sex and money and relationships and it's just left mess and a sense of emptiness around you? Have you, in some sense, taken all the good things that God gives you and twisted them up and used them in a dirty way that has made you feel shameful? Jesus comes to you again and again and again and says, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is my love and grace towards you. Will you receive it and live on it and embrace it and bet your life upon it today? Will you let me work within you so that you become fruity. You become full of love. You are more shaped into the likeness of Jesus so that he gets all the glory. So we've been talking about real change. I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. And as I do that, I want you to pick a hold of one thing that you know outwardly in your behaviours you do that you know you need to change. 
We're not talking about somebody else you need to change. We can all think of people we need to change. I'm talking about you. Think of one thing in terms of the way you respond to things that come at you. And you say, I need to change that, Lord. And then what you need to do is I pray, this, lead us in this prayer in a minute, and say, Lord, would you, would you do whatever work you need to do in me? Would you help me to lay down the attitude I need to lay down? Would you help me to lay hold of the promises that you've got for me about who you are and what you've done that I need to pick up? Would you help me to take hold of that so that I become more fruity and grow and experience real change in the now? For some of you, you need to pray a different prayer. Very simple. You need to do the daring thing, and I remember doing it as a youngster and feeling like I was a bit weird as I did it. You need to do the daring thing, which is dare to reach out to the Lord for the first time and say, if this Jesus, who sounds pretty awesome, who Steve's been talking about from the Bible, is real, and if there is a real change that could happen, that I can be put right with you, in some way that I don't fully understand right now, would you begin putting that into process? I welcome that, Lord. If you really are there and can hear me and are listening, would you begin that work in me today? So whoever you are, whatever it is you're facing, God wants to meet you right here and now. I might know you incredibly well. I might be meeting you for the first day. But this is what I know about you. God in his grace wants to move towards you. Let's pray as I lead us in a prayer. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word, the Bible, that tells us so much about who Jesus is and what he does, that we are even daring in our heart to believe now that you might want to do a great work of change within us. Lord, we thank you, those of us who've already turned to you and have experienced that change of being made a child of God, being forgiven of our sins, being justified, being put right with you through what Jesus has done, all paid for by him. We thank you that you've done that change in our life. And we know, Lord, that there is still brokenness inside of us, stubbornness, pride and ugly, sinful desires that we want rid of. We know, Lord, they come out at us, uh, come out at us and from within us as we face difficult circumstances and situations. Lord, would you slowly grow a beautiful fruit? Lord, many of us in this room right now are thinking of something we need change for. We felt defeated by it on many occasions. We've perhaps prayed to you and asked that you'd change us quickly, and it seems so slow. But we ask, Lord, that you'd be doing that slow and steady work, helping us to recover from life without Jesus, helping us to recover from ourselves and become more like the Lord Jesus, become more like who you want us to be, so that we'd be a blessing and loving and full of patience and hope and, and peace and be gentle and self-controlled to the glory of your name. And Lord, some of us here, we don't know you yet, Lord. But I pray for anybody here who wants to reach out to you for the first time, that you would meet them, show them more truth about who you are, help them to receive your love and grace, and bring a happy end to the story. An end not controlled by our failure or things that we're trapped in, but controlled by this story of freedom written by Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're so good and gracious. In Jesus' name, amen. We're now going to sing together. I don't know what it is we're going to sing. Wonderful Grace. Well, that's a good song, isn't it? Okay, Wonderful Grace, which sings of his grace towards us and his kindness. In a minute after they've...
played the introduction, we'll stand to sing together. 